Hello everybody, it's your good old friend post-production Matt. So, we've finally got round to uploading the interviews we did in February, so please excuse us for quoting February as interview month, because clearly that didn't happen. But nonetheless, we have some quality interviews coming up, and we start off with Jerry Duggan. And what a fine gentleman, an all-round good egg. So... As usual, I'm going to hand you over to Matt and Tim as the co-hosts for all that good egg goop. Enjoy. Hello and welcome everybody to a very, very special episode of The End Podcast. This is the beginning of our creative focus. Now, guys, if you could see me, you'd see how wide my smile is. And to be quite honest, I can't believe that I am about to introduce Jerry Duggan. And to be honest with you, I think Jerry Duggan can't believe that I'm about to introduce him, but for very different reasons. (laughs) So, um, first of all, with me, as always, is my beautiful... (laughs) <laughs> enigmatic charismatic co-host it's tim but before tim says anything jerry thank you very much for being with us and and how are you i think that's an important question to ask these days because it's been it's been it's been quite a few years so how are you uh i'm hanging in um i'm definitely uh, um like everyone i think um you know if 2022 is another 2020 in disguise and I'm going to have a rough road of it. But, um, you know, we, um, we have it pretty good in California. We we're always treating it very seriously. And, uh, you know, we, we have, uh, even though, you know, we're in a a very dense population in LA County, um, we have a little, um, we have a yard uh, in the back and it was actually a pretty nice year to be out. So we, we, Mm -hmm. Or a garden, as I suppose you say, uh, over in Britannia. Uh, <laughs> but, cool. but, 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 you know, it was nice. Um, you know, even though the house is small, we, we got, we got through it. We, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where it, it seems crazy that we're still in this position, but I have to have oh, no. hope that we're, we're close to the end. I, I, I do believe, even though I think, um, a lot of the talk about Omicron being mild is a little bit of a trap. It, it, it will, we will get to herd immunity, I think, out of this. Yeah, definitely so. Yeah. And it's I'm just by. crazy, it's just crazy <laughs> to think if three years ago, everybody had just stayed at home for two weeks. This, this it would have been over. Like, it's that straightforward. It's just... Uh, it, COVID, though, really, um, COVID was the, the second pandemic that we were in. The first pandemic was, um, you know, a, a, a misinformation pandemic, and so the the, the COVID uh, pandemic was able to thrive uh, very yeah. easily because everyone was already um, sick in a way, and yeah. so uh, you know it flourished. It, it was what what a wild time! You know, it's that Chinese curse, right? To live in interesting times. Yeah. I mean, we 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 did it when a lot of people didn't make it through. For do you feel slightly you know? prophetic with analog now? And do you in part take 
responsibility for it. Like maybe if you had, <laughs> maybe if you hadn't have written that, then we wouldn't be in this goddamn mess. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of there's that to think about it. The other way to think about it is if more people had read it, we wouldn't be in the mess. But I, uh, you know, that one has aged. Um, uh well um unfortunately for us um you know yeah. I, I uh it's a funny thing uh, i think david and i are, are gonna get back to that uh he and i are working on something else fun right now but um excellent but yeah it's uh you know it, it, for everyone it's been a hard couple of years but i you know i was very privileged to be able to work from home initially and not lose much of my work and then actually yeah. once that became the new normal, um, you know, writers, uh, especially, you know, in the entertainment industry were working at, at beyond full capacity. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so again, very, very lucky. We had Chris Condon on for our end of year show. He's, he did uh, that Texas blood. And the question that I put to him was, did, was it a sort of let's batten down the hatches, knuckle down? This is an opportunity that we won't have to really invest time into getting ahead of existing IPs and really try and build up a back catalogue of future projects. Or was it just completely too stressful, too worrisome a, a period to, to ever really consider that? Well, um, you know, it's uh, obviously a, a chance to get ahead is always rare. That was the thing, too, that separated, I think, you know, Jonathan pre prior to the pandemic. That's what Jonathan had as an advantage coming into yeah. X-Men. You know, there was a lot of work be happening in the in the background that nobody was was quite aware of. And and with the pandemic, you know, I can't write. Uh, I, I'm actually slowing down as I get older now. And for various reasons, I, my interests are a little bit more varied. I get a little bit more comfortable. But I, I also um, sitting on scripts and then sort of uh, look later again to see what I like and I don't like and and that's yeah. a real special opportunity but you know the pandemic for writers and artists um you know there was a time when we weren't sure what was going to happen with diamond and we were being told I know some of this is is very old about uh, 10 of swords um but you know we weren't 100% sure that that was going to be published in stores and you know we yeah. were preparing for yeah. were we going to debut a, a very aggressive digital slate and you know things were changing uh, week to week because of what was happening with with the virus and the closures here and you know i, I think the the fun thing is that the comic shop owners that i know have had a, a banner year you know like uh, even yeah. my friend dan who uh, primarily does most of his business um is in old books and so he he did a lot of uh, conventions, and what he found was that he's basically cleaned out now. Um, he doesn't really have much stock in a great way that like people were coming in, they wanted to, you know, uh, they weren't going to movies, they weren't going on vacations, <laughs> yeah. you know, so they, there was a lot of money that came into comics. And, you know, we saw we, we had our best year. And, and certainly, like, I, I don't know... Um, exact numbers because they guard that stuff very jealously but you know the stuff that we've been doing on um x-men has been like a runaway success digitally yeah. we're monsters I mean, yeah absolute monsters and i think from a podcast that we'll pick up a little bit more on later that uh jonathan 
I can't just call him that. It just don't feel right. <laughs> I'm going to have to teach him like he's a teacher. Mr. Hickman. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Hickman did uh, a podcast with Off Panel. Yeah. Um, I think it was October late last year, which there were a couple of things in that that I'd like to ask you about later. But sure. picking up on what you've just said is specifically... He wanted to do all the trades at seven ninety nine each, very much in the image line of thinking. Get someone with the first volume, and even then, with the numbers, with the with the actual trades, just blew everything else out of the water. And he was less thinking, well, if we did do them at that low low price, what would the unit sales have potentially have been? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I I don't know what was. I know the surprise of how it was collected and trade was the. I want to say this was Jordan's idea that Jonathan thought was fascinating, but the, I may have that backwards or wrong, but right. the, the idea that we would collect it, um, you know, the way that death of Superman was, or, or, and look, there are entire segments of our reading population and that's how they absorb it. So we have sort of the Wednesday warriors that are like weekend and out getting the comics on Wednesdays. Then we have a second group that is getting that 90 days later on marvel unlimited uh, as part of their subscription but then alternatively we have two different sets of readers that are reading in trade those reading the individual titles and then those reading uh in in that um you know uh, compilation and that's really fun like i i i uh you know for for, the goal always was read what makes you happy and we never felt like we were asking anyone to like swerve out of a lane that they didn't want to be in if there was information that happened in one of those other um, books you were going to get it again in in a way that you were reading i think probably the only thing sort of uh, that became um not mandatory but certainly recommended was ten of swords and then uh, planet size x-men from Aside from what, you know, Jonathan was doing, that was always going to be the engine for this. Yeah. I think with that, Dan Slott, when he was on Spider-Man towards the end, and I think there's a great juxtaposition between what was happening with All New and All Different to when um, CB came in for, for Fresh Start. And mm-hmm. it was a, I think with CB, things became a lot more precise and concise. There's the famous email that was sent out to all the creatives, you know, legend has it that if you had a dream character, irrespective of who's on the title, who would it be? And then all of a sudden you have lifelong Punisher fan, Matthew Rosenberg, writing that. You have lifelong Venom fan, Bunny Cates, writing that. But just before that era, like Dan Slott was being criticised for the number of Spider titles. And he said, well, you don't really have to buy them all. There's just something there for everybody. Because there was a, a Ben Riley, there was a Silk, there was, God knows, I think there was five or six just in that Spider family. And yeah. as a fan, and I think Tim will speak testament to this as well. I think up to date, I think I've spent about £1,000 on the X-Men line. And I've only just got up to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> up to uh the what's the event the gala hellfire gala see i'm not just making it up (laughs) and i think i think that's that's the game right once you've got a sellable ip that's just simply what you do as a publisher sometimes it does feel a little bit obligatory as a fan sure well i mean look that means that either you're a die a super diehard died in the wool mutant that is welcome on Krakoa, or you're loving it so much that you're sort of 
you're doing it and kicking yourself, but I certainly hope <laughs> you're not doing it and sort of going, I'm, I'm not enjoying this experience, right? Like the books were all allowed to and encouraged yeah, yeah. to have their own, um, their own lane. Look, th that was the thing. When I knew that Jonathan was working on an X-Men story, I didn't yeah. know what that story was going to be, but my, my read on it before I ever heard it was just, oh, Jonathan's going to write the X-Men and that's it. And yeah. I wonder how long he'll be on there. What I didn't uh, realize was how accommodating that story was for other story. Yeah. It was a story engine. It was, and we used sort of used Hawks and Hawks like it was like an operating system where we could sort of, um, you know, bring back characters, you know, that, that were long gone or, or reimagine old things as new. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I was, I got to be, the first fan of that of that story like really i i did um and to be a part of it was you know really uh um a privilege and oh, what a blast i mean as fans hox and pox was a privilege to be be involved with as well i think that with that it brought back appointment reading it was like a disney plus episode that was dropping every wednesday Everybody yeah. had to have it. Everybody had to read it before spoiler was up. And, and there was engagement in Twitter. That it, it was almost unifying. Like, there was no critics of it. It was just excitement. And I yeah. can't... I mean, in my youth, and this is, you know, the, 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 the typical story, and I think Tim will, Tim's is similar, whereby I read Punisher, read Ghost Rider um, when I was in my um, very early teens at latest. Then I discovered women and drink <laughs> and then the mcu happened and there's a gap in between <laughs> yeah. Same, exactly yeah, yeah. The same. <laughs> so yeah. well, i think with you tim it was guardians of the galaxy wasn't it that, for me it was guardians yeah. yeah yeah i'm i'm a dyed in the wool card carrying member of gen x like i was reading these books off of spinner racks but yeah. we you know that was that is something we talk about the advantage of that fandom over this fandom was I only knew what the cover of the comic that I was going to look for was. And I only knew if they printed it in the back of the previous comic. So right. that, that was absolutely really, the, you know, I, I may have had guesses about what was in it, but now there's so much information out there about what this, what the story is that we're asking you to spend money on. And that yeah. was part of the great thing about what Jonathan did. Jonathan just came in and, and had enough clout to just say, if we're asking them to spend money on it, we're not going to tell them what it is. Yeah, like, yeah. And so I think that's also why it, that was a contributing factor as to what was happening with with the Hawks and Pox. Um, and obviously it, ha it, it also needed to unfold. You know, you came into so much in media res that it was exciting. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, not I, to blow smoke, um, but I, I thought that Marauders was the best of the entire X line from the very beginning. I've loved, absolutely loved that story. I thought you did such a wonderful Thanks. job on it. And I, yeah, no, I mean, thank you. And from just like Matt, like I think I purchased on a Wednesday every single issue and since Hawks and Pox of X Men, up until including you know the, your current run. And um, I never really thought about the main X-Men book is being sort of like the operating system from which you guys operated. And that's kind of an interesting way to, to think about it. It giving breathing and breathing space for you, for you all 
to op operate those those stories. But there was I remember being, being so much momentum coming out of Hawks and Pox, like Matt and I and yeah. a few guys that we got together with on Twitter. Every single week we would we would re-rank like what's your favorite, you know, um Dawn of X book? And we'd talk about it for <laughs> ad nauseum. It was just very, very exciting time yeah. to be a comic fan, yeah. I can only duplicate and resonate what Tim's just said. Oh, I just turned into Brian, didn't I? <laughs> one, of our, one of our regular guesses. He's a very suave and handsome man, isn't he? And he likes to drop the rhymes in. Wiki, wiki, wiki. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Marauders was fantastic. And I loved what you did with Cable as well. That yeah, it, yeah, was, totally. it was kind of like, he was almost the John Hughes villain, but one that you were like, good looking, <laughs> popular, yeah. But he still had the charm. <laughs> it was kind of like you know how Cobra Kai has has sort of turned it turned around the Karate Kid to actually, if you think of it from Johnny's point of view, there's this yeah. new kid in town, and I feel like Cable's kind of like that, a kind of affable romantic that you've almost been bred to dislike in in, in well, sort very of funny. It's very <laughs> funny. Yeah, I uh, well look. Um, here's the thing, and this is, I don't mean to. I'm not saying this for any other reason other than to credit the people who deserve the credit that you know you're supposed to like marauders and you're supposed to like cable because we worked really hard on it which doesn't mean that that you uh, are supposed to like it for that reason but you're supposed to like it because look at what i got to reach for you know i yeah. i had i had russell i had mateo i had the best i had my favorite characters you know what i mean like i really like ate like you know i was like a, a drunk fat guy at a vegas buffet with those characters <laughs> you know i was like oh yeah emma the kitty pride let's go you know like I, <laughs> I, I i i i almost feel bad how much i took off the table but but, yeah, but that well. but that was you know again like that was it had the benefit of being the first pitch yeah. that anyone had traction with like i when i started saying hey what if what if what if it was almost like that act one of ghostbusters where they're walking around the streets because we were literally on the streets of new york going to from the retreat to a dinner to going oh my god you know like what about a part underground railroad part this and you know all of these things just then have you know ideas you know take um, have their own momentum they can then begin to exist and you know there were ideas that jonathan had that um, made it directly into marauders and then there's ideas that i pitched that went other places and it was a really exciting time to to be imagining this this new world and it all was coming from a really pure place like you know cb has mutant blood in his stream you know and jonathan yeah. jonathan too and and i think um, you know, I'm not exactly sure if X-Men were going to be Jordan's favorite, but that is even to our benefit where we have sort of, you know, a, a, someone that, that is a little bit less sort of emotionally involved maybe about some of them, uh, you know, yeah. but they were my favorite. It was a fun time to, for me, the true joy was, oh my God, I'm going to get to hear a great X-Men story. And then it was, wait a minute, there's going to be a line of books after. Maybe maybe I can contribute in some way, even if it's just to stand in the background and bang a cowbell. Uh, you know, I, will, <laughs> I, will, I will take it. 
And I'll tell you what, if, and if Phil Noto yeah. drew you banging that cowbell, <laughs> I would sign up. It would be in my pool list. I you know. know. Yeah. He, he was uh, your first collaborator. And I'm a little bit sceptical. I mean, I'm telling you, like, hey, Jerry, did you realise? <laughs> yeah, I know I am Jerry. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look, here's the thing. That's That's... <laughs> That's true. He was my collaborator on my second comic. Um, I had one under my belt that I co-wrote with Brian Posehn and uh, uh, with Rick Remender. And obviously he's Was that the apocalyptic Santa story? Yeah, that was uh, The Last Christmas, the sad true story of um, Santa Claus after the apocalypse. And it was a hoot and it was amazing. And, you know, again, I, I got lucky there in collaborators. And then with that one comic, you know, it was the, it was funny. It was successful. We did what we wanted to do, but I, I couldn't have any expectation of sort of walking around with that comic and go, I'd like to talk about the Avengers, you know, like th- there's no, like, there's no one-to-one there, but you know, when Phil um, said yes to, to collaborating with me, you know, all of a sudden, everyone else sort of had to go well phil noto said yes to this guy let's listen to him you know like so i'll always be grateful that's really like the, yeah. you know the, the the lightning in the bottle there is that like phil and i had a collaboration and and i think that was very successful and and actually you know that came about because you know a friend of mine a, a mutual friend of ours uh had a dinner at san diego and knew right. that I was interested in breaking in and that Phil was there. And, you know, I did the, I committed a great sin. You know, I, 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 I pitched Phil at dinner. I said, I have a comic book that I really want to do. And you could like see him visibly tense up. And because I'm sure like everyone has a comic book, they'd love to pitch Phil Noto. And then I, I pitched him the infinite. Yeah. I pitched him the infinite horizon or what will become the infinite horizon. Just a, so you know, the, the broad strokes. And then you so could see good. He was like, actually, I, I think I want to so do that. Good. And then I tensed up because I was like, I don't know how to write this comic. You know, like, I, what yeah. am I, what have I done? It was unbelievable. And it's still, I would say there were three um, on our, our pod with the reg- regular guests. We all send each other gifts at Christmas, or at least I, I do. And they send me oh, them <laughs> under instruction <laughs> because it's my podcast and they're the rules. <laughs> there are three that I send every year. Well, now I've run out of people to send them to, but the first three that I will ever send people, Mike Del Mundo's Weird World with Sam Humphreys. It is the first time that I ever took real note of an artist. Like Mike Del Mundo is just God-given talent. And Sam Humphreys, good grief. Good grief, what a story. The second one is Charles Soule's Letter 44. I think it's sci-fi perfection. The third Uh, one is... Is infinite, um, infinite horizon. Oh, it came you. out. Did it came out? It came out around about the same time that uh, Matt Fraction and Christopher Ward, another very um, sort of avant-garde Maybe, but talented yeah, artist, was it Christian around the same Ward. time as their, as their Odyssey? Yes, they. Um, well, what's funny is um, we didn't intend to be so meta, but you know, life got in the way, and it took us almost as much time as it took. Uh, uh, Odysseus to get home to finish Infinite Horizon because <laughs> I was a bad businessman. We had started it a lot earlier, yeah, um, and we got through three issues, and we we were very lucky. We got an Eisner nomination, um, and it was great. Like that was all wonderful. It led to a lot of wonderful things, 
but we also just were delayed we we, we both had um children in there and so when you're doing a a, a creator-owned um, book that doesn't have um, a page rate you know attached with it um yeah uh you know I, I would do things a lot differently today but i can't really fault it because it got me to where i am so we finished yeah, we finished our Odyssey tale long about around about the time. Yeah, that Matt and Christian were were starting theirs. And I remember uh, Matt sending me a very nice note, going, "Hey, just so you know, this is happening." And I was like, oh, "Really?" I, I I was like, "Oh, buddy, I don't, I don't, you know, it's it's man's oldest story. <laughs> it's actually probably not true." And no criticism to them. Like it is, it's a simple story, but. I think that they went for a much more literal translation of a very old book. And I found that, like, not in criticism, but I'm not a well-read person at all. I love my comic books. I'll, I'll read popular science when it's explained well. But that was a much more traditionally written title. Whereas yours, the ease of page to page, the themes, the stories, it was just like water off a duck's back. It just completely flowed oh, from one, one part to the other. Like it was a credit, it's a credit in a conversion. Like I, I think it's one of the best adaptations. Well, thanks. Yeah. You don't, uh, we, we cooked it up where, you know, maybe you don't really even have to have any passing knowledge of yeah, Odyssey yeah. to sort of wade into it. And I had the benefit too of, um, while I was at uh, Emerson College in Boston, working a lot with the Odyssey um, on various projects, we were um, we actually were staging a, a piece of it on its feet as theater and sort of so it had been simmering in my head as uh, something to reimagine. And then obviously, unfortunately, too, you know, the world at that time, you know, we tried to pick um, something that would seem outlandish you know like a forever war in syria yeah. and then sort of yeah. that one aged well too and <laughs> you're prophetic uh, yeah i'm, I'm yeah, starting to see I, a, a very concerning pattern here <laughs> yeah oh God, just don't world. say anything about us that's all i <laughs> yeah. ask you unless you're saying that i'm going to be rich yeah, yeah rich yeah, yeah. <laughs> rich in both <laughs> Both wealthy and emotionally rich, because let's not yeah. forget that spirituality is equally as you're, important to monetary value. Unless go you've got swimming. no money, and then that's probably yeah, going to make you sad. <laughs> you're going to go swimming and find Excalibur. Oh, that's, good that's grief. The, yeah. <laughs> Just do me one favor. Can you say that slower in a husky, in a husky voice? <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got a new ringtone and also uh, something I can fall asleep to. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm a funny guy, see? Let me pitch to Phil. I'll give you a commission. <laughs> Quick, Tim, write a comic. I think we're getting somewhere with this. <laughs> Phil, you Phil to yeah, oh, I think we will. Um, we, we're talking um, about some fun stuff. There's a, a crazy idea that David and I had that, um, that we're um, executing now um, that feels like it probably wouldn't. I mean, it might be a world we would return to, but it's certainly going to be something we'll do. And then we have more analog stories, more sort of yeah. one and done analog stories. And I think we want to get to that. So, yeah. Your independent work is just so rich. I'd, I'd love to see more of it. And a return to these universes be exciting. Do you have yeah, to do that thank more you. regularly? Or? Uh, I, yes, uh, there's more. Um, I'm working with uh, David O'Sullivan and I'm uh, working um, with uh, some new artists that will have some announcements soon um, in the nice. next month. 
um, you'll hear about a, um, an image um, OGN that, that I'm doing with um, a new nice. artist uh, Tacomics, that I think is going to be uh, wonderful. And, uh, and then some more stuff beyond that. And then obviously, you know, I'm, I'm also still um, committed pretty heavily to the, uh, to the X-Men game. So we have a right. long plan there and that's, that's a big part of my creative mm-hmm. output. There's some other things coming down the, the road, I think, but they're sort of, eggs that haven't hatched yet so on that with continuing with the x-men it doesn't look like you're going to be severing ties with marvel anytime soon so i think that first of all i think it's coming up to your 10-year anniversary at the publisher whether that's exclusive (laughs) or if if that's just um as as a writer full stop but i think that merits some congratulations because it's a highly competitive industry now and second of all you're doing one of the three biggest properties now in the world it's batman it's spider-man it's (laughs) x-man that's no joke and i actually think jerry now i'm sorry to keep using your name because it's probably over personalized (laughs) a relationship that's only been around for 34 minutes but i'm feeling confident mate i feel like we're getting on well so jerry (laughs) so jerry (laughs) i with with that i think we we're actually reading uh, doing uh, a Warren Ellis month for the podcast where we pick up one of his titles. I know it's quite controversial, but I feel me personally that there's the art and then there's the artist. I think that your style, especially the independent stuff, with it's Dead Eyes, isn't it? It, it was yeah, Dead Rabbit, that's Dead right. Eyes, and Dead Eyes. it's analog, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's the humour in there that Warren Ellis has very dark humor as well there's a couple of panels specifically in the first couple of analog issues where whereby you have the uh the the couple that are fucking in the car as, the, <laughs> as they're doing a live stream and yeah. then they, and then the, and then the bloke's going what car are we in and she's like why do you need to know that it's because someone's asking on the patreon and that took me i felt like that this could be like a, a prequel almost to like transmetropolitan yeah yeah thank you I- I I, uh, haven't, uh, I think to be what I am, a comic book writer and, um, you know, I I say superheroes um, in almost in quotes, but I do obviously write superheroes. The the thing that I think I tried to do is uh, uh, for better or worse is to be a futurist, right? I mean, the thing is I'm writing for a comic book that will come out in 90 days, but that will hopefully, you know, live forever. You don't want it to age badly between. And so I think about the future a lot. And some of the ideas I get uh, are spot on and some are big whiffs. But that particular, the other thing that that particular panel does in analog is sort of also shows you the, the, it's good atmospheric storytelling and that like it it was a gag which is always good you got to be entertaining but you can see that like you know this is the way that society has changed now it's it's either not uncommon that that you know you'd come across people like kind of streaming a patreon only fan sex show in their car that's double parked or whatever but um you know it it sort of let you know hey this is going to be dealing uh with technology um Mm. you know that was the other fun thing is how much information you know can we uh hit you with at the top that you don't feel overwhelmed Mm. you know i was talking to a bunch of the writers some of them are ones you mentioned earlier just about 
openings. And we, we think that Grant Morrison is so good at opening uh, comic books and stories. If you go look at the first page of All-Star Superman, he hits you with Superman's story. Sorry, they hit you with Superman's story so cleanly, clearly in four panels. It's yeah. really incredible what they accomplish. And, and, and so introductions are really important in stories. And that's why I liked the way that we opened Analog with sort of very hard-boiled um, uh, moment, you know, with, with a sniper, yeah. a mysterious sniper. And then once that's over, we sort of hit the clutch into the world. You know, you yeah, met yeah. The, you met the man. Now it's time to meet the world, and yeah. um, that that a lot of that happened in that yeah. double double page spread. I think we had someone that uh, like with a pedo tattoo across their forehead. Because I was once... going to I was going to bring that up next. Well, actually. look, yeah. no, but the, I don't think that was done. That was not a personal choice, right? That that person. But when in a mass doxing event, when all yeah. of your yeah, secrets yeah, 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 are yeah. ruptured. Like what it does is it just lets you go. Was that a choice? No, probably not. That was probably something that was done to that person. Yeah. I love mean, the way it was described as well. A diaper sniper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's those quippy one lines that remind me a lot of Warren Ellis. Like we read Cressy, which is about um, oh, a 14th sure. yeah, century the, yeah, start the of the country. Yeah, the first, uh, it was the first battle between the French and the English in the Hundred Year War from um, the 1400s to 1500s. I think it started 1346. I have no That's capacity for history, but it was that well written that I know yeah. more now than doing five years of history at school. And he'll say, like, the guy's as thick as a mile of pig shit. And they're kind <laughs> of like, I, I mean, you started off as a com comedic writer as well, didn't you? Like on um, Attack the Show. I, I thought my path was to um, end up writing for like late night television shows. And I've done some of that for sure, but, but I came out to Hollywood and um, uh, got a job um, at a comic shop. It wasn't the first comic shop that I, I worked in. I loved yeah. comics. And um, what I thought was the, you know, again, this is another thing that you have to understand. I, I'm not, like I work hard, I hopefully have some talent, but luck and timing are, are such a important mm -hmm. part of this. Like I was in Golden Apple, the biggest comic shop in Los in Hollywood in Los Angeles at a time that this was before Iron Man. So yeah, like you know, I'm I'm literally at the nexus as as the eye of Hollywood falls across comic books, and so yeah. I was meeting. Um, people there that would become my friends and collaborators. It's how I met Patton Oswalt and Brian Posehn. It's how I met uh, Dave Mandel, who would later um, introduce me to Phil. He was the San Diego dinner that, that um, you know, I went to. And so, you know, again, like you can't, those are the, the sorts of good things that you can't plan for. You can only hope for yeah. in, a, in a journey. Yeah. Totally. Do you still have gaming nights with Patton Oswalt and Chris Hardwick? Uh, you know what? Um, I wish I could say that I did. Um, once the comic book uh, 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 work took off, um, yeah, and, uh, and a lot of my output happens at night um, yeah, because yeah. the phone's not ringing and, and that sort of thing. Exactly. Uh, game, yeah, ga gaming was a sacrifice. Uh, I still try to show up for um, 
uh, nerd poker when when those guys asked me to. I was a, a you know that, that that Brian's podcast sort of came out of that that game. You know, mm. Um, mm. Uh, if you were ever uh, listening to that, but um, yeah, I I love those guys. I miss playing, but you know, uh, a, well, I, I'm DMing a game for my kid where if uh, I botch saving throw, it's an actual tragedy. <laughs> so that's that's where my energy is. Yeah. I know we're coming towards the end of uh, end of the time with you, so we really, really appreciate it. There was just one thing I wanted to run past you, sort of going sure. back to the the Hickman um, interview on on off panel. Now, I mean, I don't feel like I'm ambushing you. It's just maybe I misinterpreted the way he was speaking, but he he basically, um, I think going back to when we spoke to Cullen Bunn, he said it was one of the worst kept secrets in comics that even when he was writing Blue that he knew that Hickman was coming. So he, that was even before Rosenberg and everybody came uh, came into the Uncanny and then before the the second evolution. I was just curious whether <clears throat> with uh, Mr. Hickman leaving, was that as well telegraphed? Because my interpretation of how he spoke on, on that podcast or just sort of direct quotes were like, you can't hit everything out the park. I'll always have East of West, Fantastic Four. Sometimes you... Um, I used to think I used to have to set fire to things and then let somebody else sort it out. But sometimes you've just got to know um, when to walk away. And it kind of felt to me that this was kind of on the cards and maybe what he thought this was going to be in the beginning maybe wasn't what it turned into. But and again, never expecting you to speak for, for Mr. Hickman <laughs> or for you to confirm, deny, whatever else. But we were just very surprised with how candid he spoke about his experience with X-Men and I was just wondering if hearing that you were equally surprised or maybe I've just misinterpreted it completely. No, I, I, I don't think, um, you know, Jonathan is, is uh, you know, um, he is the hardest worker and the best collaborator um, that, that uh, I've ever worked with. You know, he's really, um, he would look, <laughs> You know, there is a version of 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 Inferno that probably would have been, um, you know, like if Jonathan had wanted to to keep uh, Pepe, right? I would have launched X Men with someone else. Like he wants uh, to to help you succeed. You know, he really. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, I think he has. Whether I I, I don't know exactly um, when it became um, apparent that he was going to probably wrap out of um you know the x-men but i i do think you know the that it became um you know when he says he's very fond of sort of saying the world changes and plans change right was worth you know like preserving you know was the end result of it is hey Mm. do we have a story where we want to flip the table or do we want to uh, continue this as a status quo and you know that a lot of things go into that that's Jonathan's yeah. decision that's Marvel's decision that's you know and then he put out a very gracious table and, and made it an open question for sort of the the quiet council that we keep you know on our, right. our bi-weekly zooms and you know it, it was hey this is there's more meat on the bone here if we keep going and then you know a, a lot of that and i think jonathan's been very candid about that is sort of like he needs to go and do big things uh f- for for marvel and then that became hey i'm i'm gonna 
go off and do this other thing that I want to do, having wildly succeeded at at um, at Marvel, the, the, with specifics to when I got sort of badged into that secret that like there was going to be you know a, a, maybe a changing of the guard. Uh, I, th I think I was, you know, in pretty early because, the, you know, the question was, would you want to sunset Marauders and then sort of steer the superhero yeah, ship? Yeah. And here's what else is coming down the pipe. And I said, you know, I will do whatever I can do that would be best for me, but best for the line. Yeah. And truly, I think that's the way it lined up because uh, Steve Orlando and his collaborators are going to show up and they're going to crush Marauders, I think. Um, that was a success that that we we proposed to fail well maybe but, but, but <laughs> we, at the top we proposed hey this could be a a legacy yeah. title you know yeah. if we're going to come out of dawn of x you know we should have something that we are attempting to make <clears throat> an, a, a legacy title for for the next time yeah. and and so you know uh, i i think john is rightfully um like hard on himself right like with all this yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. but I, I you know i don't think um you know uh, yeah. like it's uh, w with all due respect to everything that came before him it's it's still my favorite just i mean hawks and pox that'll endure i mean that's yeah. going to be one of the all-timers yeah it's um, going to be all-time what came out that of that question. When you have a line as broad as that, there's always going to be, first of all, difference of opinion. So I can only speak for my sure. opinions. And anybody, like, let's look at the MCU, right? If Thor the Dark World's the worst, worst MCU film by, by um, popular opinion, then that just is an indicator of how well the MCU's done. And I think there's a tendency to, to rank into, obviously, with the, all, all the ways that fans can interact these days that there's always going to be the hysteric voices on either side and they're the ones that are loudest and they're the smallest amount of people thankfully but yeah of course some things some things kind of hit and some things won't hit for other people your stuff was outstanding i love what ben percy's doing and his stuff on sure. at awa as well I, do, you know, do you know the funny thing? It's like when I found out Tom Kim had already written for um, DC, I felt like my wife was cheating on me. <laughs> like, I was like, no, he, no, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. <laughs> He's just ours. <laughs> Maybe it was just poor, poor wording from Jonathan, but like just going back to The Expanse and the amount of comics that, that just sort of like me and Tim have bought, I just thought... Maybe the words could have just been a little bit more gracious. But, I mean, look, that's the problem with everything these days, isn't it? Once it's recorded, it's recorded, and it's there for inspection. Sure, yeah, I think that's true. I, I do wonder, like, I, I, you know, I, again, I, I actually, um, I, I thought I listened to um, that uh, podcast, but I actually don't have, like I said, I don't have a shitload yep. of time to be able to uh, listen to anyone talk. Um, also, the zooms are really, you know, it's it's actually a lot of work to get that's not writing to line this up. <laughs> it's also why I sunset Savage Avengers and and Marauders was because, you know, the like I'm going to need more time to like read scripts and figure mm -hmm. out how my stuff might line up with other stuff. So, um, but but to but to your point, I don't. I, I I think Jonathan feels like uh, you know he's leaving in a place where he has um, had a lot of um, success. I hope, but 
I don't think, uh, you know, it was always, um, a, a f everything was, um, accommodated and accommodated thoughtfully. Mm. And I think also we've come into this now this new era, the destinies of X and, you know, the, the world's different. Even when Pepe and I were working on planet size X-Men, we didn't know. I absolutely love that title, by the way. The actual yeah. name, the title. And that was the first thing on the page, wasn't it? I just love it. Sorry for interrupting, but no, it's, that, that's it's the okay. evolution of the evolution of like giant size. It was just, mm -hmm. it was just fantastic. I will say I don't I'm not always so smart about well anything, but but that actually <laughs> that title was you know, coming back from one of the retreats, I was like, oh, the Omegas should form a circuit. Well, what are they going to do? And actually, Planet Size existed sort of before there was a great story reason for it. I know it was, that's how long we let it simmer. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I think it was Jonathan that was saying, no, this is going to play an important part post Ten of Swords. And here's this that's what that is and of course he was absolutely right but the thing i my point I, I was trying to make though was you know that was a pitch it was you know not exactly a fully formed pitch but the broad strokes mm. were there and then that was proved and then the hellfire gala came around that to sort of camouflage it because nobody asked us what planet size was about when yeah. you were looking at like these this amazing like you know high fashion versions of these characters but we didn't know what world we were gonna hit print in you know the vaccines were still theoretical and mm. you know the 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 uh, so and and now that they're even here they're sort of still not the magic bullet because of the way that the yeah. world shook out and the politics of it all but but my, my point is you know when you make monthly comics uh like this you just you have to not be afraid to pivot and that was the coolest thing about yeah. um you know about what jonathan about how jonathan does his business was to go hey you we may have to make a big swing and pivot really hard to something and so you know we did that several times we did that in uh, uh ten of swords we did that in uh um uh you know in various ways throughout and uh yeah, so I, I'm I, I'm certainly proud of my collaborations, and you know I'm. Uh, the, were there would there be things done differently? Yeah, I would maybe do some stuff differently. I'm not sure I would cop to what I would do differently uh, on on a podcast. But no, like, come on, please, nah. come on, give us a scoop, dude. We need something for the title. Uh, <laughs> you're far too mild, man. Just put Jerry Duggan lies was... his way through the podcast. That's you're. <laughs> You're a canny seductress. <laughs> That's the problem. You're like a. It's not a banshee, is it? What are the ones nah. where where they're where they're on the rocks and getting the ships to go to? Uh, siren. Yeah. So you're a siren. siren. You're a siren, yeah. Jerry. Is it? I should have asked this to start with. Is it Duggan or Dugan? Because uh, we pronounce it in the family Duggan, but it's been Duggan. pronounced a million ways. For uh, right, I mean, like going up through the through the family tree. Uh, you know, there, there were. Uh, we were right. O Duggan, you know, there was Dugans and O Duggans and, you know, all sorts of right. different ways of sort of saying it. But well, that's we good. were the, we were, yeah, we were Duggan. Not, uh, well, I feel I feel like I committed early to that and I'm glad to, maybe you're just being kind. And again, there you are with your um, thing that you just said that I can't remember. 
<laughs> the opposite of a banshee, whatever. Siren. There you siren. go. Yeah. <laughs> Your sirenicity is coming through again. <laughs> but because um, when it's in print, you can never be too sure. And obviously, there there is. By the way, there there is no common thought process on this on any podcast. It is hit or miss. It's like trying to pick a black card out of a deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Right on. Um, well, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, and um, we've we've taken up more of your time than than you intended. But we're only grateful for that, and thank you very much for coming on, Jerry. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, thank you again for reading, and thanks for all the kind words. And uh, you know, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Well, that's thanks, good. Jerry. We had to put the we had to put the kind words in because we were setting you up for the Jonathan Hickman <laughs> thing at the end. So we had to butter you up, mate. <laughs> we had a very long pre-production meeting about it. <laughs> Uh, for one, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to what's to come. Um, very excited Good. for it. So we'll, yeah. we'll be looking for it. Analog, is there any up-to-date news on the... Uh, it's Lionsgate, isn't it, that have picked it up? Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, studio took uh, some COVID time. They, uh, you know, they um, basically took uh, a, a big chunk of the value that of the contract um you know on the clock anyway off uh, because they weren't yeah. able to exploit it and we would certainly like not <laughs> we would not uh, disagree that they couldn't do anything with it so yeah. um you know there is a a plan i don't uh, know my writer and my uh um is uh off in uh westeros so Ryan Condal, who wrote the screen story with me, uh, is uh, show running the the new Thrones uh, shows. So wow. cool. yeah, we we'd have to like. I guess it's it's obviously it's wonderful. It also means he's very unlikely to be able to continue on the project. So oh, that's um, a shame. there's supposed to be an update, um, you know, uh, from Lionsgate and Chad. Um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see what what uh, happens uh, there. Infinite uh, is still in play too at Warner Brothers. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. On a scale of Todd McFarlane to Mark Millar, how much control do you want on these things? <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, <laughs> as I get, as I continue on in this business, I do think the thing that I will do from now on is uh, is certainly co-write them. Right. So there'll be that. Um, you know, but again, I'm in no rush to sell uh, or option anything. You know, that's part of the great thing about doing what what I do is, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm able to make a living and sort of have, make these gold watches with my partners and then tuck them in our pockets. And, you know, we yeah. care about them too much to just sort of willy-nilly option them out. So... I think you know if you can turn uh, your head away from from it, and if there's pros and cons to both, you know, if you want to disassociate yourself with whatever the outcome is, mm. uh, that's certainly one way you you could do it. Um, but uh, I would like to be a part of it, and I think also yeah, yeah. it's better for the creators oftentimes to be a part of it. So. Mm -hmm. Well, look at what happened with um, Jeff Lemire, who, by the way, and don't take offence, Jerry, you're in my top 10, but Jeff Lemire is my number one. He's my number one all time. What that dude does, he puts his hand inside your chest and he holds your heart. Oh, From page yeah. one, he goes, it's mine. 
This yeah. this is mine. Mine. I do, I do love him. I do. Yeah. I, uh, I admire so his work, but I also yeah. admire, um, you know, how he does uh, business, you know? Yeah. Well, he took over Sweet Tooth, didn't he, when it was being produced for Netflix? It was like, no, homie, don't play that shit. Like, and he rewrote the screenplays and, and just said, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. Contrarily, with Seth Rogen, when he was doing his production house, was doing Preacher, he wanted to do a cell by cell recreation. And then Garth Ennis said to him, no, dude, look, it's not going to work for TV panel by panel. You just go and do whatever you want to do with this. And look, ask me. I'm, I want to have input, but like you're the TV guy. I'm, I'm the guy that deals with the pages. So it, just, it doesn't seem like there's a wrong way to do it because both of those had a great amount of success. Yeah. You know, it's a good time right now for, uh, you know, there's more opportunities to... Uh to sell to Hollywood than ever before. Um, Definitely. Um, I mean, it's it's know. almost ironic when you look at guys like Chris Condon, that Texas Blood started out as a screenplay. Tom King started off as a, a screenwriter. And with Tom King, I think it was more, not like a last resort because he was always into comics, but it was more of, oh, I'll try comics now. And that's when he got picked up. And, and for all our benefits, thank goodness that that's what happened. But it's kind of strange that if you went to someone with a script... For a, for, a, for a series on Netflix, maybe not Netflix, because they just let anybody do whatever they want now, don't they? It's just like, yeah, hello, it's Netflix, you've been greenlit. <laughs> yeah. But like, legitimately, comics is almost like you're more likely to get picked up for, a, for an adaptation now if you go through comics as opposed to going direct to the studios. What, what, well, it's crazy. I think that's been true for a long time, though. Um, a long, long time ago, I was... Uh, doing a documentary on Frank Miller at uh, G4. Um, it was for a okay. show called Icons. It was, it actually turned out great. Like I was uh, like really um, happy with how it turned out. But the, as part of that, we went and chatted with producers of at that time 300, which was the, you know, yeah. the, it was the number one movie in, in the world. And uh, on, on a Friday before when it was opening, you know, I was over there um, talking to Gianni Nunari, who, you know, is still a big producer. Like, I think he produced uh, Scorsese's, um, I think it was Shutter Island. It may have been something else. Mm. But um, I, I had, he knew that I was making comics too and, and actually took a real interest in Last Christmas for um, a hot minute. But, it, you know, it was just too hard to try and uh, convince anyone that that should be the next movie that they do you know, it, with that blue screen technology that they were uh, right. doing for 300. But the reason I mention right. it is the on Monday, I got called down to that office and, um, you know, I had, you know, dreams of uh, being, <laughs> dreams of, uh, you know, being asked to go write something for him. And in fact, yeah. he was there to give me a bunch of scripts um, to see if there was anything that he could hire me to turn in to adapt into comics so that really? he could then turn into movies. And that, look, he wasn't wrong. He was ahead of the game in terms of realizing that was what he needed to make the studios sit up in their chairs was to sh ask them to look at a comic, which is essentially a pre-vised movie, right? It's boarded, you know, the, yeah. the, the, everything's there for you. You don't even need to uh you know like have much of a creative vision if the if you're being faithful to a comic that you love 
And uh, that's why comic books uh, have had this renaissance in Hollywood because mm-hmm. you it's it's not just about the story, it's also about the art. You know, yep. you don't you don't have to guess what you know another world looks like. You you can be shown it and um you know the, but that was the funny thing about about having 300 make 300 million dollars that weekend and then be called down to the office not for a big break but to go <laughs> hey i need i have a lot of film scripts that uh, i would like to to try and turn into uh, comics <laughs> to then turn them back into movies but that was a good that was a good lesson for me to learn yeah 300 came out again you know just knowing oh this is where the this is where it's all going to come from I know there's been a lot of talk with Jim Starlin, um, uh, Brubaker, and Fraction in Aha with financial remuneration for using Marvel IPs. Now, I'm of the opinion, not a popular one, that the the remuneration isn't financial, it's reputational. Even more literal now, when you look at people like um, Chris Yost that wrote at least a draft or a treatment for Ragnarok and is doing the same for Love and Thunder, um, Tenehesi Coates is now on the new Captain America film. I know, obviously, there's history there with the IP, but currently, comics are now seen, and this is, to, to quote Tim, <laughs> even though he's here with me, that for a long time, comics were seen as a genre, but now it's seen as a, as a format, and people are respecting it a lot more, and also the talent for, for people such as yourself, and Ed Brubaker, and Tenehesi Coates, and people, yeah, just as in the broader scale of things. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think there is, the comic brain is sort of a special uh, brain. You know, it's uh, like we don't, not everyone can make the comics, but I think there are people yeah, yeah. that can adapt them um, and sometimes with, you know, varying results. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, Ed's obviously had um, tremendous success. You know, he's show running the, the new Batman cartoon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that. God, he did that TV series with Miles Teller as well, didn't he? Yo, that was great. I don't think I even know that. It's a great um, noir title. Um, uh, it, it's very Brubaker. It's it's, it's it, yeah, Brubaker and Phillips. Yeah, it was R- Refn. Too old to die young. That's it. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. It's a lot, isn't it? The opening, the opening episode does not fuck about. Like it goes from naught to hundred immediately. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's, yeah, I, I thought maybe it was a little bit salacious to start with, but once it settles in, like yeah, it's worth yeah. watch definitely, Tim. Okay, oh, Jerry, I've I've tricked you into another part of the podcast, pal. I'm really sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm look, sorry, but <laughs> I, you know, I I don't uh, have any aspirations to do anything other than the things that i like really want to do meaning like i it's okay you know i'm i'm excited to go do the things that um you know i I want to do there's there's jobs that you take uh you know to keep the lights on uh, and then there's things that you do for love and there's things that you do for both and you know my life has been filled with all those things but if you are not treating it as though it's your last job um yeah. you know it could be so i i do try to drive this stuff uh you know like fully insured rental cars um and if <laughs> if it's if it's not you know if it ends up being that it was a um a mistake you know that's okay the 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 characters 
um, have suffered all sorts of weird bends and breaks and, you know, have been glued back together and yeah. that's okay. Uh, but I am, I'll tell you, I, I'm having uh, the, the time of my life on X and uh, yeah. I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it. And I hope you enjoy what we have coming, uh, you know, over the next uh, year is going to be pretty wild. So before you go, I just have to bring up um, Deadpool, all new, all different issue 20. It is one of my favorite single issues of any title ever. Thank you. Yeah, that's very kind of you. I had Matteo and I had uh, my editors and they all made me look good. But yeah, it was, it so was good. Uh, so fun good. to be able to, you know, obviously it sort of starts with the Morrison uh, pastiche of that great yes. Superman page. But, you know, the, the joke I was sort of saying to myself was, oh, well, thank goodness you know that poor person didn't have deadpool you know and it was superman but, <laughs> but then it became hey i don't know maybe i'm selling deadpool short maybe there is a way that yeah, he, yeah. Can, he can sort of uh, move someone uh to it was to be beautiful able. from start oh, to finish it, i absolutely loved it and very last thing uh i know that barry winter smith was a lot favorite. of last things <laughs> i know dude i know and i'm good oh. at it aren't i i'm good that's that's why i'm in charge of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> Barry Wintersmith, I know he's one of your favorite uh, Claremont era artists. Have you had a chance to pick out, pick up monsters? You know what? I have monsters here, and I've been saving it. So I'm I'm midway through monsters, and I'm having a really good time doing it. I'm not. All right, mate. Either. All right, we've all got places to be. <laughs> ah, no, let's, no. Let's I... keep this short. Come on, I've got my dinner to put in the oven, Jerry. Jesus Christ, <laughs> mate. Talker or what? Oh God, Tim. Is, is your missus giving you um, uh, <laughs> an earful yet? Yeah, the amount of time this is taking. No, she's just in her computer. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, just blame it on Jerry. Do you know what he's yeah. like? No, <laughs> Once look, you get uh, him started. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, Barry Windsor Smith is uh, one of my one of my all time so favorites. You know, uh, I go back to he he was already I was a big fan before I walked up to the rack one day and, and yeah, picked yeah. up uh, X Men two hundred five, but that. That is one of the uh, immortal X Men comics. You know? Is that the snow? Is that the? Yeah. Is that yeah the snow issue? Yeah. See, I've done my research. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pal. Yeah, no more. No more last. I've stuff. been researching my job for the last you know, <laughs> several decades. Oh yeah. Oh, so. You win then. You you win by quite a lot. I know. I know. I, know, I only I know. did a few no, hours this afternoon. I don't know if that came through <laughs> or not. I thought I held it down a lot. Well, you were great. <laughs> Thank yeah, you again no, for everything. Thanks for no, having me, and uh, no, thanks absolutely. for the support. I've had a ball. Thank you very much, and, and yeah. take care, and all the best for all your future endeavors, whichever path that may take you to. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for everything. Obviously, uh, give me a shout when it uh, comes up. Yeah, that'd oh, be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really surprising. Nobody ever says that. <laughs> But um, usually I think, oh, God, probably they've done the favor on the day. Now they're expecting us to promote it as well. But no, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, guys. Have a All wonderful right. weekend. Yeah? All the you best. Too. Best of 2022. Right. Yeah, to you too. Tim, Jerry's gone. How good was that, dude? How good was that? I oh can't believe God. we've had Jerry Duggan on the show. That is just so, it's so exciting. Uh, I'm like, I, I feel almost more starstruck now than I did when we started. Uh, it was cool. Yeah, he's so he's a smooth guy as well, isn't he? He's a very smooth yeah. guy. Like his his manner and his voice is just pure honey. Totally. 
yeah, so good. So anyway, let's um, let's let's sign off. And uh, if you want to say goodbye to the listeners, I do want to say goodbye. And let me tell you, listeners, if you ever have the opportunity to talk to Jerry Duck, you need to take it. It, it is just so it is so exciting, man. I'm like I feel completely starstruck, but also uh, like so invigorated. I just want to go. Do a month of reading Jerry Duggan comics. Yeah, you and me both. You and me both. So anyway, it was awesome. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm made up. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much. Remember all the subscribe, follow, like, rate, whatever. I don't care at this minute in time. And as always, there's one thing left to say, and that is, we have been, and this is, the end. <laughs> but yeah, getting back to it. Fuck me. Oh my fucking god. Awesome. <laughs>